and welcome to episode 34 of the Graph Golf Podcast. I am your host, Sean Fairholm. We are resuming our Behind the Ball series in this episode, taking a deeper look into how Graph Golf is developing a smart golf ball and analytics platform. This is our ninth installment of the series, which began back in June of last year. Our guests at this point have been Rowan Fraser, VP of Branding, uh, Mike Eberly, co-founder and CTO, Patrick Kelly, co-founder and CPO, Aaron Shapiro, co-founder and CEO, Parker Feldman, VP of Manufacturing, and Ari Friedman, a strategic advisor. Today, we have a new guest. He's among the newer members of the team, having started for Graph back in January earlier this year. His name is Eric Goodchild, our VP of Hardware at Graph, and Eric comes to the company with a true wealth of experience. He attended Arizona State in their electrical engineering program, worked five years at Taser International, and was a co-founder and CTO at Era, a company that drives innovation in the wireless charging space. He's done a little bit of everything in his young career and is now doing some tremendous work at Graph. In this conversation, we talk about his past experience, what led him to graph, what excites him about this opportunity, and some of the milestones and challenges that he has encountered in his first few months on the job. We're very fortunate to have Eric on board, and I think you'll learn a lot from what he has to say here. Before we start, just a reminder to visit graph.golf. We have a new website, and there's a lot of great stuff on there, not just information about the product itself, but also the club section of our site where we have a lot of articles and podcasts available. You can also input your email to subscribe to our newsletter so you'll be informed of any product updates. And now on to our conversation with Eric Goodchild. And now we welcome onto the podcast for the first time, Eric Goodchild of Graph Golf. Eric, how's it going? Doing really great, Sean. You've, you've been with the company for for most of 2022 so far. Uh, what, what has your experience been like to this point? It's been uh, an interesting, you know, four or five months here. And uh, what has your experience been like? Well, it definitely hasn't felt like four or five months. I'll tell you that. I, <laughs> it, has, it has really flown by. But honestly, that's what I love. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of startups and small companies. And... Uh, it's been really fun to kind of work on a product that, you know, it has a lot of different aspects that I enjoy. You know, it's got software, it's got hardware, it's got actual like going outside and doing fun stuff. So overall, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed working with a team that is here at Graph. It's been a lot of fun. What were some of your first impressions when you kind of first, you know, got the got got the job and kind of started to get into it. I know your first few days were, were pretty, uh, were pretty entertaining and pretty interesting. Uh, what were your first impressions? The first impressions that I had were that, you know, you guys, the graph as a, as a whole got really, really far with a really small team and it was super impressive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not easy to, to design this kind of product and it's really a testament to see how far, you know, such a small team got in, you know, the amount of time that, you know, it has been around. So I was really impressed there. Um, the other thing that really struck me when I, when I first came on was, uh, you know, how smart everybody was that was on this team. Like everybody's got their own 
their own aspects of the company. And, you know, the, the team as a whole was grown. Everyone was super friendly. Like, you know, I remember when I first joined on, everyone texted me like, Hey, welcome aboard. You know, it's great to have you. Like that kind of team atmosphere is super cool. Like I really love that. Like, and it's not something that I've experienced personally in very many companies. So when I do see it, it like really stands out. So it's been really, it, when I came on it overall, I mean, it was super cool. I love that. Yeah. Culture is so important in a workplace environment, right? Like that. I mean, it's a, it's amazing. Um, your, your first couple of weeks, what were some of the challenges that you saw that you could kind of, you know, provide for the company that you could be an asset for the company that you saw, Oh, this is an area that I could, I could really help with. Yeah. So for me, the, my big area of expertise and area where I feel like I, I brought a lot was um, I'm a very multidisciplinary engineer. So, you know, I bring a lot, I, I, where I really shine and where I really enjoy problem solving is, you know, problems that involve multiple aspects of product. So for example, uh, you know, there was a lot to be done on algorithm development as a good example for the golf ball. So, you know, tracking things like how fast it's going, you know, which way it's spinning, things of that nature. And so that problem involves hardware, it involves software. And so it's a complicated problem. And, you know, being able to kind of, you know, be in both worlds at the same time really helps facilitate, you know, solving that problem in a, you know, a, in a way that's going to be low cost and, you know, very effective and accurate. So that's personally for me, that's where I've usually brought value into small companies is where, you know, there's a complicated problem spanning multiple disciplines that, you know, needs a solution. And that's kind of where I, I felt like I could bring a lot of value. Do, do you have any golf experience? And I guess a, a follow-up to that would, do you need any golf experience for something like this or is it, is it really not necessary? So to answer that question, um, before I came on the graph, the last time I had golf was in high school. So <laughs> okay. it's, been, it's been quite a while, but I mean, I've had, a, I have a lot of people in my family that are super passionate about golf. Um, my dad's really passionate about golf. My grandfather was an incredibly avid golfer. Um, my great grandfather actually built an entire golf course in, um, in uh, uh, Michigan um, called Agamemnon. And so overall, I mean, I, my family as a whole has been, has been very, you know, into it. And I, I guess through osmosis, I've absorbed at least some information. <laughs> but in terms of like, you know, your second question, you know, do, do you need golf experience to kind of be working on this product? And my my thought is, is that yes, to some extent, like you, you have to understand the basics. And when I came on, I, I actually did have to take kind of a crash course for myself to understand some of the basics of like, what's a slice, you know, what, what, what's the, what are the different, you know, numbers of irons and what is, how does that correlate to the things that the ball's going to be doing? So that, that stuff was important that, you know, I learned coming on and, you know, I'm still learning every day more and more stuff. There's so much to golf as a whole. So is anyone in your family excited that you have a position like this that's a, a part of a golf company <laughs> oh yeah they're all itching to get a hold of of the product and, and try it out there i i 
I, and I told him, I was like, oh yeah, as soon as it's done, you'll be the first ones to, to give it a shot once we got stuff that's uh, ready to test. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. As you've kind of gone along throughout your time at Graph, what kind of different challenges have kind of come up as you've kind of gotten a little bit deeper into the job? So, you know, I'll say this, like one, something that kind of strikes me every time I, I get into a problem, like the initial problem that you start looking at, you're like, oh, okay, this is not going to be too complicated to solve. And, you know, the last company I was at was kind of a similar story where I was like, oh, yeah, okay, this, this will take a little bit of effort, but this won't be too bad. And then you start getting into it. And it's like, oh, my gosh, this is way more complicated <laughs> than initially anticipated. Right. <laughs> and, but that's really good, I think, particularly for you know, a company like Graph, because when it, what it means is, is you're truly solving a problem mm -hmm. that, you know, was difficult to solve. And so that actually is going to bring like true value to the market. So, right, right. And, you know, overall that, that, that would definitely say, that would definitely be what like that would be about. And I just wanted to rewind for a second to kind of go back into like your background and what led you to graph in the first place what is your what is your experience kind of coming into the company places that you've worked at and, and kind of positions that you've you've had coming into it yeah absolutely so um i i started in in engineering very young um so i started programming in i was probably about eight years old i i actually there's a running joke in my family when i was three or four I didn't want like toy trucks or anything. I, I wanted extension cords, but, but that was the thing that I wanted for my birthday and, and Christmas and all that stuff. And so when, so I got a lot of experience very, very early on, you know, in electronics and software. And then I just before college, I got a lot of experience building uh, Tesla coils. If you've ever heard of them, they kind of produce sure. artificial lightning you know, high voltage, it, it was really fun. And so I built a ton of those throughout high school and through college, I actually started a company where I would um, both sell them to museums. So they're in museums across, across the country and then also, you know, rent them out to events. Um, while I just, just uh, I think it was my senior year of college actually is, I, I took them and a group of my friends, we actually did the Playboy Halloween party with Tesla Coil, musical Tesla Coil, <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Um, I, and then just prior to graduating, um, I worked in uh, the aerospace industry. So at the time I was working for Orbital, which is now Orbital ATK, which I believe then got acquired by Northrop, I believe. But uh, right. you know, essentially uh, rockets, guidance systems, that sort of stuff. And then from there, I transitioned into uh, a position over at Taser, which is now Axon. And they basically do the police stun guns and body cams. But I, I was a high voltage electrical engineer over there, you know, designing some of the Taser products and, and that sort of stuff. And then from Taser, um, I actually started a company, uh, co-founded a company called ERA. And ERA was like my first true indoctrination into the, the world of startups, if you will. And uh, it was, you know, company design, you know, based around doing wireless charging for smartphones, AirPods, that sort of thing. 
So that was a really fun experience. It grew that company to uh, over 30 people and uh, mostly engineers, uh, lots of products. It was, a, it was a really fun experience. And then from there, I transitioned over here to Graph after Arrow had gotten to the point where it was very much self-sustained and, and moving on its own to kind of take on a new challenge where, you know, again, small team, I really love that atmosphere. There's still a lot of problems that are unsolved. And uh, that's where we are today. Are there elements of previous roles that you kind of take with you that you can kind of apply to graph? Is there anything that you could think of? Yeah, so every time I, I jump into one of these new roles, I feel like I learned something new, but I'm also able to kind of take the lessons that I learned from the previous role and apply them. So uh, a great example is, is when the previous role, you know, era being the most recent, uh, something that I learned very early on is that for any kind of like hardware software product, it's really good to have all your core team um, inside the company. So a lot of companies will contract stuff out, they'll mm -hmm. buy pieces, you know, they don't actually retain their core competency like within the company itself. And so that's something that era I, I, you know, put a huge emphasis on as the CTO was you know making sure that we had all of our engineering discipline for developing everything you know related to the product in-house and i feel like graph is on a similar trajectory with that where you know we maintain all of our core competencies in-house so that we have a very vertically integrated product that's that's really how you get to a you know a good product at the end of the day in my opinion and what what is it that excites you about the startup environment i guess i mean it, that kind of energy around a team where you're trying to solve an, a problem that i mean a a golf ball like this has never existed so it's mm -hmm. a very daunting problem in some ways but it's very exciting at the same time how do you kind of feed off of that energy yeah so i mean the big thing for me in small teams like this is there's no well, it's okay. So first thing is, it's like, you know, in any large company, you're, you're going to have an existing product usually, and you're really just going to be iterating on it, which in my mind is not super interesting. That when you're in a small company, you usually, you particularly start up at this stage is you, you don't even have a product yet a lot of times, right? So you, you're really starting from like a white piece of paper, which is so cool. I mean, I love it when there's absolutely zero existing um, baggage, if you will, like company baggage, corporate baggage in a company. And you just get to kind of build it, you know, from, from ground zero. Like that right there is kind of the coolest thing. There's no, it doesn't, it basically sets it up so there's zero restrictions on what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I think that's what is, the, you know, makes the magic of, of startups. Mm -hmm. what, what do you kind of see for the future of graph um now that you've had a little bit of time to kind of be a part of the company and see see the direction that's heading what are some of your thoughts in terms of you know the the, the core team and, and what it can accomplish in the future i honestly believe this company can go really far the market is massive um i think that the existing product base out there in the world is um is good but i think that technology as a general in golf can grow substantially and so because of that there's a lot of room for innovation in the space and i think that this team is the right team to to essentially do that and as it grows and gets bigger 
I can just see us solving more and more complicated problems and ultimately just dominating the space. That's what I would love to see Graph do in the future is just we own the technology, software, hardware space in golf. I had a a conversation with Parker when he was on the podcast the last time, and he was uh, he was shouting your your praises for uh, some of the problems that you uh, were able to solve early on in uh, in your time with Graph. What is what is that relationship been like working with him? I'm just curious because uh, it seems like you guys have a really good dynamic together. We do, yeah. I really enjoy working with Parker a lot. Um, it, a little, I don't know if Parker mentioned it when you talked with him, but uh, we actually met in college at really uh, Arizona State University. And the funny thing is, is uh, we, I, I think I was working on a project with him at the time, and I felt bad when I first <laughs> first talked to him when I was interviewing for Graph because I was like, oh hey, and Parker's like, oh yeah, I, I know you. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I totally forgot. So it was a funny coincidence when uh, when I first talked to him, um, but we really, really work well together. Parker has a fantastic background in mechanical, manufacturing, engineering, and process, which is super important in any company that's going to produce anything physical. So that and then you know me on on my side i i do really well with like the design aspects with the electrical the hardware and the software so parker and i work really well together you know we have very complementary skill sets and overall i've you know we we go back and forth all the time on crazy ideas and you know like oh maybe we could try this oh no that's not gonna work or, you know so that's i've really enjoyed that dynamic between us and uh, I'm looking forward to working with him a lot more. So it seems like there's there's a little bit of overlap, but it seems like it's more of, of complementary skill uh, skill sets. Oh yeah, for sure. Like we have enough overlap where we work well together, right? Like you always have to have some so that you can you have a shared shared language and shared understanding. But at the end of the day, where I have my core competencies and where he has his really core competencies, where we're both really experts, those are very complementary, which is excellent because you don't want to have two people. Um, you know, doing the exact with the same skill set, you want to have people that have lots of skill set. You get that broad focus, and that's how you get a really good product. I wanted to ask you about Aaron. You know, being a CEO of a of a company that has you know it's a it's a very young company. Uh, you you've been in similar positions to him in the past in terms of uh, guiding companies. And what what were your impressions of first meeting him and just kind of the the role of the, the leader that he plays at Graph. Yeah, so I I really appreciate Aaron's leadership style. Um, I've seen a lot of leadership styles. Um, I've, I've been in the leadership positions and I, overall, I, I have a lot of respect for the way that he, you know, has his position. So one of the things like I really appreciate about him is he very much trusts the people that he hires that are experts in their, you know, respective fields to give good advice and do what they do best and not, you know, micromanage. I, I think that's one of, you know, a lot of people hear that's their micromanage and it's really critical because it's not just ineffective, but it's also demotivating to, you know, people that you bring into a company. And so by allowing people to do that, it says that you trust them and it really gives them the latitude to be fantastic in a company and solve problems. So I really appreciate that. And at the same time, you know, he's a really smart guy. 
Um, I feel like he brings a lot to the table in terms of his core competencies, which is, you know, being able to do fundraising, uh, you know, running and being strategic about the business as a whole, like direction. I think that's really important for a CEO. And it's great that he is uh, able to focus on those things and trust the people to, uh, you know, design great products that are working with them. So overall, I have a great impression of Aaron. Is it tough being in that position where you're, you're, focus is in so many different categories, whereas maybe if you're in one role, you can kind of just delve into it. I mean, you you have experience kind of trying mm -hmm. to be in all those different silos of, of the company. Yeah. And the key is, is to try and get yourself out of those silos as quickly as possible. <laughs> so, and because you're absolutely right, it's really hard to split yourself across so many different areas. So you really have to, you know, you know, be willing to, and it's hard, right? Like starting a company, it's like, that's my baby, right? You know, those, those are the things that, you know, you want to make sure that everything's done correctly. But at the same time, that's why that particular thing is so hard to do, to trust somebody with a chunk of your, 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 you know, your baby. So when you're able to do that quickly in, in a small company, I think that's really important. You have to get people that are, you know, that are gonna be competent and do really well in the different aspects because it is not you know possible to focus on everything forever. You'll be very ineffective. So that's I, one of the di most difficult things in my mind. Right, right. And I just I just had a couple of more questions. You mentioned earlier that when you got to graph, you were impressed by how far a small group had had reached by that point i'm just wondering was there something maybe in particular a a milestone or something about the product at that point that you felt oh like i they got to this point uh with only this this small of a team that's that's pretty impressive yeah so the the big thing for me that was really impressive is managed to get um like the actual electronics and everything put together and actually into a golf ball without any kind of like major super expensive, you know, manufacturing process, like, you know, molding, molding electronics into something that's going to be hit with, with a chunk of metal going nearly 200 miles an hour and not breaking is impressive. Like normally that's something that, you know, you would spend, you know, years and years and years on with a very, very large team and lots and lots of money to get to that point. And so the fact that, you know, they were at that point where they had gotten it in there and they've done it in a way that's very scrappy, you know, where it's been done, where it's like, oh yeah, we got the molds done. We did, you know, somebody's in the garage process. Like, that's super impressive. And I really love that. Like it takes a lot of creativity and skill to be able to, you know, take, you know, the stuff that you have on hand and not spend a hundred thousand dollars on a mold or et cetera, and get to that point. So that really impressed me because of because of how lean and uh, scrappy the process was. Being re resourceful, right? You, you kind of have to be at that at that stage, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of the, I mean, it seems like one of the main issues with a product like this is that when you just what you just mentioned, hitting a golf ball, the just the blunt trauma that a, that a golf ball experiences is that is that kind of in a nutshell the the core issue that you kind of have to deal with? It's one of the big ones. You know, there's electronics, for example, I, 
they they don't they don't do super well when you uh, when you you know subject them to that kind of force. So you know the electronics are are a big aspect of it, and then the other part of it is dissimilar materials. So you know you've got a circuit board and a battery and stuff like that inside of a golf ball with all these plastics and rubbers and stuff. They're dissimilar in the sense that you have to get them to bond together. And so, you know, there's a lot, there can be problems where like they separate and that's, that's a difficult problem to solve. And so, you know, that, that's definitely one of the bigger, bigger problems is how to keep the thing to be, you know, intact and durable. Hmm. Are, are there any other like major ones that come to mind? Yeah. The other really big one is uh, tracking um, all of the parameters of the golf ball. Mm -hmm. So being able to measure things like the velocity, um, spin rate, spin direction, launch angle, those are all really difficult things to measure if you don't want to do it in a super expensive way. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the common one that I think most people in the golf industry are familiar with for collecting golf, you know, the, the you know, the uh, kinetics of the golf ball would be to use like radar, you know, you, you know, radar based launch monitor. And that's a that's a twenty thousand dollar piece of equipment. You know, it's right. super expensive, and you know, not everybody's going to be able to afford that. So, being able to accomplish kind of a similar, you know, thing, but at a very low cost, that's that's also a really difficult thing to do. But you know, if it's done right, it opens up the capabilities of a launch monitor that once cost twenty thousand dollars to like everyone. You know, anyone that's interested in golf can now have the same ability to learn from their own uh you know from their own statistics and metrics and you know and improve their golf game which is super cool and that's the you know that's the goal you, you mentioned this earlier about graph taking over the like the golf analytics space and i guess i wanted to end here the excitement around that possibility the uh the, like the reason why you came to graph to in order to really make a a, a huge change in this space is, is that kind of the thing that you think drives you throughout this this entire process yeah i mean what what drives me is um product design product innovation i i love it i mean i i am an inventor at heart you know i like taking things where it's like oh yeah I've, bunch of other companies tried this and gave up on it and you know i i like i see that sort of thing as a challenge and i'm like okay i'm gonna figure this out because <laughs> i'm a problem solver that's what i love to do i'm an engineering problem solver and so i think graph has the opportunity to do that in the golf space where tons of other companies have tried and just completely given up on it so that's that's what really excites me that excites me as well. Eric, thank you so much for, for doing this, for coming on to the podcast. We'll have to have you on again sometime. And, uh, and best of luck moving forward. Absolutely. Thank you, Sean. Thanks again to Eric for coming on to the podcast. Before we wrap up, I just wanted to point out a couple of new articles that are out on our site. The first is five steps to improve your chipping and pitching. And the second is how far should you hit each golf club, talking about distance and how you can compare yourself to others. And there's a, there's a growing database of articles on the club, as I mentioned earlier. So go ahead and check those out. We will see you again next time. Cheers.